everyone, and welcome back to the Black Expats Experience, a podcast highlighting the lived experiences of Black expats around the world. I'm Kendall Tyson, your host, licensed therapist, and a fellow Black expat living in Beijing. We have another great episode in store for you today, and I'd like to welcome my newest guest, Heather Proctor, to the show. Hi, Heather. How are you? Hi. Good morning. How are you? I am doing Things are very good over here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us where you are in the world right now so currently it's a beautiful chilly morning here in Lisbon Portugal awesome how long have you been in Portugal I have been in Portugal since August of 2021 so a year and a half a little over a year and a half now I think okay I'm wondering if you were to give us a word to describe your experience thus far um, what would that word be? Interesting. <laughs> That's definitely my pregnant word. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 a good word to describe experiences huh. and living in Portugal. Okay. Um, I've actually met a few people, uh, connected with a few people, interviewed a few people in Portugal, and it's a place that I actually am considering seriously about retiring when I finish my whole life in Beijing. So. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. I'm really, thank you. before we get into everything, what I like uh, for guests to do is to give us like a brief synopsis of who you are, introduce us to you, share us, you know, share with us your, what do they call it? Your elevator pitch, your one minute pitch. Okay. <laughs> All right. I will try to keep it under a minute or so. Okay. Oh, so um, as you already know, my name is Heather Proctor. I also go by Heather Courtney. Um, for some odd reason, people think my last name is Courtney. So if you see any articles on the internet about me under Heather Courtney, I'm the same person as Heather Proctor. Courtney is actually my middle name. Uh, so I am a retired uh, veteran. I was medically retired back in 2016. So I've been living the retired life at a very early age. Uh, I was in the United States Navy. I used to build bombs for the government and do missile testing. I am a single mom to a 15-year-old daughter. I have a dog and a cat here. I have lived in Japan. Um, we've lived in Mexico. And I also am the co-founder of the uh, Black in Lisbon, I'm sorry, Black in Portugal community. I'm also the founder of the Lisbon Melon Collective. And I also am the project manager for Cosmic Vision, which is a local um, record label here that focuses on underground music I mean talk about wearing many hats um yes oh one more thing very important because I know probably people can relate I also um am a autoimmune warrior I have several autoimmune issues so just to throw that in in case anyone else has uh lupus or children's syndrome or any type of autoimmune illness as well uh, thank you for sharing that with us um yeah I I think one of the things that I like most about the opportunity to hear people's stories is that others can connect through their lived experience. So I'm pretty sure that there are other retired veterans out there, um, other individuals that are experiencing living with, you know, autoimmune conditions. Um, yes. You know, people that have chosen to live abroad, clearly we have those things in common mothers, parents, 
So mm -hmm. I, business owners, um, founders and trailblazers, I really yeah. um, am really interested in understanding what does it take for you on a daily basis to fully engage in these different types of areas that you're involved in? Oh my goodness. So my friends tell me I don't sleep. <laughs> um, so I think because, you know, I'm, I don't have a job, I'm retired and I have a lot of free time. I don't necessarily have a schedule where, you know, I have to report to anyone or I have to be somewhere at a certain time. So I kind of like wing every day. I actually have a planner and everyone knows that if you're not on my planner, we're not meeting up and you have to schedule the week prior uh, because I'm just very, very, very busy. So I just kind of pick and choose like the level of importance of things and then let that trickle down and whatever doesn't get done the day I'm working on it, there's always the next day. How would you say that's working for you when it comes to all of the projects and I don't know what I call them projects? <laughs> what would you call them? So Last year, it was crazy. Uh, I was literally ripping and running Lisbon streets, meeting after meeting, building connections, because what I'm doing for the community and in the community is just very important for me to meet new people, maintain connections, and um, educate myself. But this year, I told myself that uh, I'm not going to be doing that <laughs> like I did last year, because I was not focusing on things that I actually enjoy, like my hobbies. And this year, I actually set working times, working hours. So in the mornings, I'll go to the gym. And then um, from 12 to 5, that's when I would conduct business. And then after 5, that's when I would do things that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So kind of, you know, kind of make it more sane and make sense and everything. So I'm not just here, there, all hours of the night, you know, not having like a, a, a set schedule per se. Yeah, that routine really does help um, with just... Yes. I, I imagine, <laughs> and then you've been retired military. Um, I'm sure you understand like how a routine helps you to get through the day, feel a bit more accomplished, can check off. Yes. Like you can see the the growth um, when your time is structured in a way. Uh, it works for, well, I think routines work for everybody if you allow them to work. Yes. So it sounds like the structure that you've created is really helpful for you. Um, I'm curious. So I am a, I'm a licensed therapist. I'm also a, a certified school counselor. I work at an international school, one of the top tier international schools here in Beijing. And with you having a daughter, how does that work for you? I'm wondering, education-wise, are you happy with the education that she's receiving and experiencing while she's in Portugal? First of all, is she in Portugal with you? I'm, I'm Yes, I get that question a lot. Like, is your daughter here? I'm like, where else would she be? <laughs> I wouldn't be here <laughs> right. my best life. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just a little pre-story. Uh, when my daughter was in fourth grade, I actually, actually third grade, I actually transferred her to a school of the arts because I was not happy with the public school system okay. um, in Florida. And then, you know, that school was actually failing my daughter. <clears throat> I wasn't happy with the teaching. I wasn't happy with the grade. I was not happy with, you know, 30 kids being in a classroom with one teacher and some kids learn different than other kids. So I had pulled her out um, of, out of fourth grade and we were unschooling slash homeschooling slash world schooling for five years. So from fourth grade up into ninth grade, she had not been in school at all. We were traveling the world. Mm -hmm. So that's something on my lip. So when 
we came to Portugal, I said, hey, you know, you got to get back on a regular school because this, the homeschooling laws here are very different than the States. You don't have like the same freedoms. Um, <clears throat> so we tried out a British school and it was all English speaking. I believe most of the kids were probably expats and, you know, spoke English. And I didn't like the curriculum. They sold a good game as far as like, oh, okay, you know, the kids will work at their own pace and they'll get the stuff done. But there were like little things, you know, like my daughter, you know, sometimes when I go to school, because, you know, she had the choice to go or not go since it was self-paced and they wouldn't call me to say, hey, your daughter didn't show up. Um, they were working at like Starbucks cafes, restaurants. It was very odd. And I know they were fixing up the new hub, but it's very inappropriate to have kids, you know, high school students um, working out of public places like this. And there's no accountability. So uh, my daughter loved that school because she wasn't doing anything all day, you know, so she loved it. Um, yes. So I ended up transferring her to a Portuguese private school. And I remember she was like boohooing her eyes. out. I took her out to like a nice little dinner. I said, oh, by the way, uh, I'm switching schools. So she was really, really, really upset. You know, she's like, I'm going to lose my friends. I'm not going to have any friends or anything like that. But when she started going to the new school, she started to make friends, you know, and at the time she was the only American in that school. So it was from K to uh, 12, kindergarten or preschool to 12th grade, uh, three different buildings. And um, yeah, she actually fit in very well. She adapted very well, even though the school was only taught in Portuguese. Some of the teachers do speak English. Some of them do not speak English at all. The kids do speak English, uh, but everything is taught in Portuguese. So the biggest thing for me was making sure she fit in, making sure she was learning and preparing to go to a European college, which I feel that the other British school that we were in uh, was not doing that. And it was more expensive for nothing. You know, I pay less money now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yes, I pay less money now. You know, they went on a, a field trip, ninth grade to France, six days. My daughter had her own room. They paid for everything all the um I mean it covered food yeah. getting into like the Louvre Disney everything and in America I know my daughter went I had that same experience and it was less than 800 euros for all of that you know flight wow. included so being able for her to have these experiences for her to actually be a world traveler for her to know what to look for to pay attention to while we're traveling even when she's not traveling with me was very important um, and lastly, getting to know the culture and the language, because we plan to be here at least five years. And, you know, I plan for us to get our citizenship so we can have an extra passport because we don't know which way the U.S. is rocking and rolling sometimes. And um, overall, it's been good for her. No complaints. I will say that the school has really good communication. Um, there was an issue recently where McKinsey was struggling in philosophy and math. And um, school had called her, like a homeroom teacher had called and she was like, we know, how can we find a solution to this to make sure that she's learning and, uh, and included McKinsey too. And, you know, since it's all in Portuguese, it's an hour, the, school, the classes are an hour and a half long, not like traditional American classes. So the issue was the teacher only spoke Portuguese. And um, when he would give her what they're learning, you know, transcribe or translate it. Sometimes it does not make sense 
when it's, things are translated from another language into the English language. So my daughter was not understanding what was happening or going on in the class. So she would sit there for an hour and a half. And um, so the home teacher suggested, you know, hey, at the end of the class, she could just ask her questions. And I said, no, I'm not okay with that because she's sitting for an hour and a half. And we all know teachers are preparing for the next class, want to take their coffee break. They're not going to give that attention needed to the child. So we came up with a solution where the 11th graders would tutor her uh, on the mornings she goes to school late because they, they have a very odd schedule here. Uh, and then her Portuguese teacher, who teaches her Portuguese, would tutor her on math on Fridays. So I liked that they were flexible. And I was explaining to them, I said, hey, you guys allow American-speaking kids in this school. There should be a, a backup plan, a plan or something where these kids are learning. You know, we're not just giving our money just because, you know, we want our kids to succeed and we want our kids to learn. So I will say they they have been very accommodating. Um, I cannot speak for other uh, other schools, but I have heard through other parents that some of the public schools that they have their kids in are not as accommodating. They're like, okay, you're here. You need to figure it out yourself. Hmm. Well, I'm really happy to hear that a positive outcome, right, has mm. been found um for your daughter for your saying you know for your ability to feel sane as a parent sending your child um to school and you're right like if your doors are open to American children all children of different language levels then there have to be accommodations made especially since you're paying good money for exactly done so yeah I was listening you know hearing you share the experience at the British school I used to work at a British school out here um and I would say that it was just interesting to say the least yes <laughs> <laughs> very interesting yeah. to say the least. um I love that you're like you say your daughter will be a world traveler so it sounds as if you're from Florida or at least lived in Florida at some point yes yeah, so I'm from Jersey originally okay. but my last duty station was in Pensacola Florida okay I'm glad you're not in Florida right now there's Ooh, that's a whole nother something thing. else <laughs> a whole different breed <laughs> it is it is um it's and and I don't even know what to call it um so I have a question well I have tons of questions obviously okay one of the ones that I like to focus on would be for you to share with us well I think you kind of already have um the gist okay. of your journey to being an expat um you've given us some some foreway into you know, retiring from the military, moving abroad. But I'm really curious yes. about what was like the the big decision that um, sparked your interest to live in a country outside your home country? Okay, so this is kind of like a two-part uh, question, but they both flow together. Um, in the military, you know, you get, sometimes you get to pick where you want to go. And I remember when I joined the military, uh, right before I went to my first command and my first job, we had the option to go live abroad. And I know I couldn't live abroad because at the time I was getting, going through a divorce and then being a single parent. And um, it just would have been tough. So when the opportunity came for us to go abroad, um, I picked orders to Japan and I got them. Uh, my daughter was initially supposed to go with me. However, my ex-husband or husband at the time decided to put our names on the kidnapping and abduction list for eight years. So my daughter could not get a passport. So she had to stay in the States while I lived an amazing life in Japan. 
Um, and while living there, you know, my eyes just opened up to like the culture, the peacefulness, you know, so many great things that I wanted my daughter to experience. Um, so my, my daughter ended up staying back with my mom because she was caring for her since I could not take her with me and I had to go. Um, so I was like, you know what? I got to have my daughter have this experience. You know, the U.S. is great. There's amazing hidden gems in the U.S., but being overseas is crazy, you know, and it's just a great experience. Even on deployments, you know, I, I have been Portugal, Bahrain, um, all places all over the world. And I'm just like, wow, you know, the world is so much different than how America makes everywhere else seem. You know, they kind of like brainwash us to thinking that, you know, these some of these countries are like behind on times. They're not up to date. The, you know, they're these third world countries. They might be third world countries, but some of them are developed and established. Um, so I really wanted my daughter to be able to have hands on. So fast forward to uh, 2018, I think that's when she was able to get her passport finally. And I was like, you know what? Let's go to Japan. <laughs> and I remember, um, you know, during this time, I was really sick. You know, I was uh, in the Navy. 2016, I was just medically retired from the Navy. Um, I was like, literally like, couldn't get on my bed some days, tons of medication, low energy, going back and forth, back and forth to the doctor. And I was just like, I'm going to make this trip regardless. You know, I had to contact the prime ministers of health. Uh, in Japan to make sure I could bring my medication with me because it's uh, it's a controlled substance in a lot of a lot of foreign countries. So I remember when we went, you know, the initial initial phase of it was my daughter complained the whole time, the walking, and mm -hmm. why do we have to stand yeah. in the customs line? Why this? I'm just like Mackenzie, I don't like the complaining. Just just wait, just you know. So as soon as we were able to, you know, get out in Japan and show her things, she loved it. She loved everything, the food, the uh, entertainment, the uh, electronics, like everything and just the quality of life. So we, we stayed there, we stayed in Japan for a month and I said, okay, cool. We're gonna go back, we're gonna come back traveling. So we went back to the States, uh, waited until 2019, so another year, cause she was in uh, competition cheer. So we had to, you know, travel in between seasons. And I said, you know what? Why don't we backpack through Southeast Asia? <laughs> So, you know, I started doing research and I uh, got her backpacks, got her table shoes. Uh, my family and friends were like concerned. They're like, I don't know. I don't think you should travel because you're sick and you have all these health issues. And what if, and what if, and what if? I'm like, look, I have a backup plan. You know, there is a hospital. You know, there are bases in some of these countries. You know, let me live my best life. My current situation is not going to define how I live my life. So we took off. Uh, we spent a month in Japan and then we, you know, traveled through Southeast Asia for three months and it was great. And one thing I noticed, I noticed after the first time I traveled was my health and my mental health were so much better. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Okay. We backpacked through Southeast Asia. I like this feeling. You know, I know when I get back to the U S my mental health is going to decline. My health is going to decline again. Why don't we backpack through Europe? So 2020 rolled around. We were about to backpack. We were about to leave in March. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. All the borders started shutting down everywhere. And I was just like, I low-key do want to get stuck in Europe somewhere and not have to be in the States. <laughs> that would be ideal. 
but I have a whole house to pay for. I have all these bills. And I yeah. said, you know, ideally financially, this will probably put a hole in my pocket. So I was like, okay, you know, we're, we're not going to travel. We're just going to wait and see how COVID, you know, hopefully it's like a one and done thing. Uh, and it wasn't a one and one and done thing. It was horrible. You know, oh, so many lives. Right. Yes. It was very, very crazy. So um, my daughter and I share the same birthday month for 20 years and 20 days apart. So for her birthday, I was like, you know what? Why don't we go to Mexico? That's the only place that's open. We haven't traveled because everywhere, everywhere else is closed. Uh, Mexico had never been on my list of places to visit at all. Um, probably because like the stereotypes of like, oh, it's being dangerous and you know, but I knew some people that lived in other areas that were like, it's not as dangerous, you know, of course, be careful, but it's livable. So we went to Playa del Carmen for a month and I loved Mexico. I did not like that area, but I love like the cost of living, the people just like being free, not having all these stressors. And once again, my health seems so much better. My mental health was so much better. So I was like, you know what? We couldn't backpack through uh, Europe. Let's move to Mexico. So I came back, sold my house in three months, and we moved to Mexico. We moved to uh, Merida in okay. Yucatan, and uh, one of the safest, ra- rated the second safest city in North America. Yeah. Um, and we yes, we, it's so, I mean, the community there was amazing. My daughter had friends there, um, and I met some amazing women, and my life was great. I was able to save money. I didn't have stressors about things that were wrong in my house. I didn't have to worry about like gas and car issues or like any of that. And being able to access fresh food was very important as well, because when you have autoimmune issues, a lot of things can trigger flare ups and um, being able to go to a local market or we had a fish delivery guy would just come to my house and deliver fish. Him and his brother caught that day. Um, So we ended up staying eight months in Mexico so I knew Mexico was not going to be our forever home. And at the time, the day I moved to Mexico was the day I started film school. And I knew I would have to start filming. And although Mexico was really great, it was extremely hot. And when I get overheated, even like out in the sun sometimes, or even it may not be hot to other people, but I become like really sick. Um, so I said, you know, I know I'm going to have to be filming. Uh, and I honestly don't want to have to deal with the Mexican customs, bring all my film equipment here. I need to find someone to relocate to. So nothing really caught my eye. You know, Japan was always number one choice, uh, where we were going to move to, but Japan was still in lockdown until recently. Yeah. And, um, I started doing research and then Portugal came up and I said, okay, I've been to Portugal, but I don't remember anything about Portugal. I didn't even know there were like black people in Portugal, like the amount of black people that are here. Right. Um, I had no uh, understanding of any other history about Portugal or anything. So I said, you know what? We're going to move to Portugal. Uh, and that itself was an interesting journey. Because once again, my ex-husband made things very, very, very difficult. Another reason why I went to Mexico uh, for six months. So we will, we will be stateless. <laughs> so right. if I needed to go back to court, you know, I wouldn't have the issues what we were having now, which was divorce in California, child custody in Jersey, child support in Virginia, living in Florida. So no one wanted to stay, take jurisdiction at all. It was, it was a mess. So we ended up, uh, he finally, you know, signed the paperwork. I, uh, I wrote up and we ended up in Portugal. So Portugal itself has been, Interesting. I will say that the community here is great. The Black expat community here is great. Also, the local Black community um, 
is great. Uh, there are several countries that in Africa that the Portuguese colonize. So there's a large presence of them um, still living here, which is something I did not remember and did not know. Um, and so far, you know, it does have its ups and downs, a lot of patience, the bureaucracy is crazy. Uh, I think Portugal can be a little slow, a lot slower with things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my story, how I got to Portugal. Wow. I mean, a, a few roundabouts. Um, I like the story about Mexico. That's a place that I'm considering as well. Um, being really intrigued. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I'd like to know when you made the leap, you know, for your, yes. and your daughter to go abroad and you began to notice just the shifts in being, honestly, what are some things that you noticed that were vastly different? You know, you you shared multiple times your quality of life improved, your mental health improved, your physical health improved. Like, what what did that look like for you on a daily basis to notice these improvements in your life? So uh, I guess we'll talk about Mackenzie's first. I think hers is the most important. So we lived in a white town in Northwest Florida, I think. Last time we did a census, there was 0.08% Black people in the town. Um, so my daughter would constantly compare herself to her white friends. You know, why Why are my hips this way? Why is my nose this way? Why is my hair this way? And it really hurt, you know, um, back in 2018, I think I did the big chop. I'm natural. I just have my hair pressed. Uh, and my daughter wanted to go natural too. But then eventually she was like, I want my hair straight you know, and it really did hurt because I wanted my daughter to be around more black kids, but I feel like the type of black kids that I would want my daughter to associate with were not in Northwest Florida. Like they were there, but it's kind of like you want your daughter to be around people that look like her, but you don't want to introduce her to things that she's not accustomed to. So when we moved uh, to Mexico, you know, large black community, I saw her like being more kinder to herself, you know, the way her hair looked, because her friends had natural hair, they had um, African American black noses, you know, not skinny noses, and their features were just so beautiful. And I feel like that was when she started to understand that, hey, um, I'm beautiful, you know. So now at her new school, it's, and I remember specifically them telling me this, there are a lot of Angolans here. There are a lot of Angolans here. And it never really like, no. why is this lady <laughs> she's not the only one. A lot of Angolans here? Yeah. Yes. And I'm just like, okay, it makes sense. She's reassuring that there are tons of black people in this school. <laughs> and um, there are tons of black people. There's, I think I've, I've toured the school twice and I've been to the school a few times. And I would say the majority of the, of the kids look like Mackenzie. Oh, wow. You know, uh, yes, a lot of them. That's and incredible. it wasn't something like when you move abroad, for me, it's not something like, oh, I got to make sure my kid's in a black school. Um, it's not something that ever crosses my mind, but just for them to point it out, I don't know if it was saying, hey, there's black people that look like you here, or hey, Angolans have money, you know, I don't know. Uh, and then, you know, I feel like she started slipping into like her own self, accepting herself and accepting her hair where she just got it locked. Uh, she's like, I want my hair locked now, you know? And I was like, okay, we can go down that journey. 
and um, just really embracing who she is and not trying to uh, compare herself to other people or other ethnicities that have different body types than Black people, you know? So for sure, I would say that will be my biggest, I don't know if it's like a proud moment, but it's like something I noticed that I feel would have impacted her as a young adult moving forward, comparing herself to people that are just naturally slim or people whose noses are naturally smaller, people's, no, people's mouths who are lips are just very thin. Um, and just the hair, hair is so beautiful. You know, her embracing it and wanting locks and wanting to try new things with her hair. So I will say that. Um, so for me, well, I'm sorry, the question was, what I, what have I noticed about- um, What have you noticed as far as your life improving, your mental health, your physical health? What are the things that you- Okay, yes. So for me, I would say my health, you know, when you have lupus, you have children's syndrome, you have other autoimmune issues, every day your your body is battling, you know, it's just fighting against each other. So you really don't know what your day is going to look like, you know, whether some days, oh man, I don't feel good. I just want to stay in bed or I just have enough energy just to do this. Um, so I will say I'm having much more better days than bad days. Um, I find that being in an environment or community that's uplifting where people are, hey, you need anything? I'm coming over right now to bring you, you know, anything, which I feel I've never had in the States. You know, I met some amazing people in the States, but the community here is just something different. It's just way different. Um, mental health, I find that I'm learning through, you know, my friends and people I encounter different ways, how to approach different situations, different way of thinking. Um, and overall, I'm much more happier. I'm much, I'm happy the quality of life. I know my daughter's safe when she goes to school. You know, I have access to um, fresh foods and vegetables that aren't filled with GMOs and STDs, steroids and everything. And um, mentally, I'm much happier. I do have my sad moments. There are things that can be like really triggering, which make me feel sad. And um, there's there's some ways like I get through a funk and some days I'm just like, I'm just going to lay in bed because I'm just sad. <laughs> but I feel that um, I am in a much better space here, mentally, physically, and emotionally than I was in the United States. Hmm. I'm so happy that you were able to find that. I'm wondering if you believe that this is the way your the trajectory of your life is going to go for the, at least for the foreseeable future, right? Being an expat trying to live a more, a healthier life. It sounds like a more purposeful life. Um, yes. What does that look like for you moving forward? So I don't know. I kind of feel like the community I have, I manifested because when I was looking at Portugal, seeing, you know, what type of community was there because Mexico had a great community and I didn't notice anything. There's like no community that was happening in the Facebook groups, no get togethers. It was just like people, you know, just typing on the internet. So I remember one of my friends in Mexico said, if the community doesn't exist, you have to create it. Mm -hmm. And I think I manifested, you know, intentionally, you know, and um, just probably when I'm sleeping or just like doing things like, okay, these are the things I need you know, to thrive. These are the, you know, type of people I need to have in my life. And I think once I got here, you know, I started to build that community and the community has grown enormously. 
And for me, I think more people are going to come, more people are going to go. But I think that it's still going to open up doors. It's still going to expand my mind. It's still going to be therapy for my mental health because you never know who you're going to come across that has a similar story or can relate or someone that can say, hey, have you ever thought about it this way? Or, you know, hey, I tried this. Have you, you know, thought about trying it too? And just, you know, good times with good people and just talking freely, knowing that you're not going to be judged and people generally, you know, do have your best interests at heart. Yeah, yeah I, I, I appreciate that. And I recognize that as well. Um, that's one of the things that comes up often in these conversations is the concept of community and chosen family. In fact, that's one of the key tenets of these conversations that I like to have. And I'm interested to know when you think about chosen family, um, what does that look like for you in Portugal and how has the ability to kind of curate your circle, how has that impacted your life, you and your daughter's life? Oh man, chosen. I think there's like a, how can I explain this? You know, we all have energy that we put out into the universe. You know, it's 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 higher when you're more positive thinking and it's lower like vibrations. And I feel like these vibrations attract the people that you need in your life. Not people that you necessarily want, like, oh, I want this person, I want that person or that type of person. But the people that you, that you're, what you need to thrive, what you need to have a better understanding, what you need to get through whatever you're doing. So kind of like magnets, but vibration. And sometimes you're going to, you know, these people are good people. And then some people are the people that are just the people that come to teach you a lesson, you know, to learn something out of it. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things where I think that because I was not in a great spot, a great mentally and then health wise in the U S my vibrations were very low, you know, everything was very low. So I wasn't attracting the things that I needed, you know, but here, because my mindset is different and I'm happy and my vibrations are high, more people are coming into my life. You know, even the people that are in my close circle that, you know, are simply amazing, you know, they're great as well. I could depend on them for anything, but there's also people that are not in my circle that are great that I could depend on for anything. Um, just a quick story. So when I first got here, I actually live right down the street from where I'm living right now. And we were, so the floor in here is a little bit different. The first floor is actually not their first floor here is the second floor. It's just weird how they name it. So I'll just say the second floor so everyone can understand. Um, and we leave the windows open at night because it was hot. It was summertime, like September, I think. September, October. And you can either open the windows like this or they, you know, fall forward. So because we were so high up, you know, we would leave the windows, you know, one window open and let air come through at night. Um, and one night, a man decided to climb through my daughter's window. Oh, uh, it was very, yeah, it's very, 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 very scary. Um, I I think he was a professional at doing it because there's no way he could have like reached his hand up, nothing. And when I went outside the next day, you know, some of her stuff from her room was outside. Um, but there was like, uh, or I'm sorry, when I looked that night, sorry, there was no trash can, there were no cars. So he must 
have been very good at doing this or he had someone prop him up. So when I shared that with the community, I have an exclusive WhatsApp chat for black and brown women that are living here at Lisbon. You know, the outpour of you need anything, let me come. You know, a week later I moved because I did not feel safe for me and Mackenzie, but uh, we ended up moving to a hotel and people came and cooked for us. They helped me pack up the um, the flat we were in. Some people stored some of uh, our stuff because I was buying stuff because we were about to move into an apartment. And um, just people rushing to like make sure we're okay. Does your daughter need anything? Do you need anything? You know, you can stay with us, you know, from strangers. And let me tell you, I just got, I, I got to Portugal on my birthday, August 27th. And this happened maybe not even a month after I've been here. So for people that did not know me, you know, didn't know my daughter just to like rush without any like hesitation just meant a lot to me it just um it just showed me that you don't have to know someone for years you don't have to know someone for months you know it's just people are genuine people and they actually care about the welfare of me and my daughter which is something that I feel I did not I would not have had that same type of community in the U.S. at all Wow. I'm one, I'm really sorry that that situation happened. And if it sounds as if, if there were to be a positive to come out of it, you really recognize that there is support there, even yes. if you don't realize it at first. Um, Cause I often mm-hmm. say it's not the people that show up and, you know, in, in those glamorous glitzy moments, it's when yeah. you're down and out, you, you don't know where the help is coming from. Like who's coming to support me. Um, exactly. I want to ask you, I, something that you said earlier about noticing the shift in your internal vibration, right? And when that Mm -hmm. changes, how you begin to attract different people with different energy that, you know, Mm -hmm. improve your life in different ways. I'm wondering, what do you believe you you either intentionally had to do or unintentionally did, how do you shift as a person for your energy output to change? What do you think? So right before I moved to Mexico, uh, my rheumatologist had mentioned cognitive therapy. And I was like, I don't know what cognitive therapy is. I've gone to therapy. I've seen therapists. I've been medicated before. And he was just like, just go. Here's a woman's name I recommend and go see. And what that woman taught me, the cognitive therapist was like, you should focus on positive things, focus on things that bring you joy. Because when you start focusing on the negativity and you have that role, like why me, then that manifests into like more darkness and more negativity. And then you're not going to be able to be happy, you know? And I totally related with that because I was, 100% not sick before I joined the military. And because of the vaccine injury, I became sick and it totally 360 my life. Um, So when I started focusing on the good things, the positive things, the things I enjoyed doing, my mindset started to shift. And it's not something that you do and it happens overnight. This took like months, if not like a year, two years to really retrain myself to say, you know what? This situation can be crappy, but look at the positive, look at the good things that are coming out of it. So being able to change my mindset with the cognitive therapy, being able to 
say, tell myself, you know, I deserve a life of peace. I deserve, you know, this, you know, my daughter deserves this quality of life. And it kind of just like happens over time. You know, you, you can't just, you know, say it and then you're not doing anything to put, put that thought into motion. Um, so positivity surrounding yourself with, you know, friends that you say, you know, Heather, I see what you're doing. You know, even small little, um, small little, uh, acknowledgements from friends, you know, really did help because when you're doing things, you don't, you're just used to doing them in like emotion. So sometimes you don't see that what you're doing has a big impact on other people from the outside looking in and being able to have friends like that to say, you know, you're doing good, Heather, you know, we're proud of you, you know, look at the opportunity you're giving to your daughter, you know, look at you choosing, you know, not to claim the life of, oh, you're just going to be sick the rest of your life. Just deal with it. You know, cause that, that's what doctors were telling me, you know, just deal. here's medication, 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 you know, that, you know, medication, if you're on it long-term, it starts to affect other parts of your body and everything. So just being able to look in the mirror and say, this is not the life that I'm accepting for myself. And that's what really worked. And like I said, it did not happen overnight as like, it does take time. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's one of the things that, you know, when I work with clients, it's really helping people to understand that what you focus on is where your energy is going to go, right? The Mm -hmm. thing that you attach yourself to is what's going to amplify. And you can either choose to focus on things that are limiting in your life or things that are bringing Mm -hmm. you abundance. Now it's important for folks I want people to recognize that it's not what we call toxic positivity. It's not, you know, positivity at all costs. It's no, it's a recognition that, yeah, there are things that are challenging. However, I can deal with those while I Hmm. focus on these things, like you said, that are bringing me joy, that are fulfilling areas in my life, um, that are helping me to feel a bit more connected to myself and accepting of my situation. Um, Yeah, I appreciate that. I wish that more people were um, open about Mm. or not even just open because it's difficult to be open about something that you're not devoting time to notice my friends know I say the word notice notice is the is the key word Um, if my word of the year wasn't trust it would be noted (laughs) Um, (laughs) because you what I hear is that you had to notice oh my life changed when I went to Japan or, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that in Mexico with a friend telling you if the community is not there, how do I create it? And yeah. taking those things that you're noticing and putting that energy into being a trailblazer in regards to creating something. So I'd like you to devote some time to sharing with us the mission of, I want to get it right, Black in Portugal. Yes. And what is it? Melanated Lisbon? The Lisbon Mountain Collective. Okay. Okay. My apologies. You know, tell no, us no, about the inception of these two collectives and, you know, organizations and what you, like, what, what do you want the, what do you want people to get out of these types of projects that you've engaged in and how do you want them to be? How do you want them to improve the lives of people? Okay. Um, so, oh my gosh. All right. So the what I mentioned before about the community not existing. So 
uh, I arrived in Portugal, August 27th. A week later, I had my first event. Um, <laughs> and 11 people came out. Yes, 11 people came out. One of my co-founders I met at that, my, my first event. And then I noticed like, wow, these are some interesting, amazing people that live here. Let me have another event. So I started having more events and more events and more events. And at the time, I wasn't really branded under anything. It was just Black in Portugal and the people of color group. Like that's just the names I was using at the bottom of my flyers. So uh, my friend Cam, who I met at my first event, you know, she said, hey, she was the admin of the Black to Portugal group. She said, hey, why don't we work together and um, we can rebrand under Black in Portugal. So we ended up doing that. However, prior to that, the day I had my first brunch, I had started a WhatsApp group for Black women, Black and brown women. So the idea of this group was not just a typical, another group chat, you know, it was intentional. You know, you had to live here. You had to live in Lisbon or the surrounding areas. And what turned into me just thinking people were just going to be like, hey, what's up? You got want to meet up was, do you guys need anything? Resources. Oh, I do this, I do that. So when, you know, people started joining the group, you know, it's kind of like invite only. Um, and I was like, make sure you do an introduction. So people know like what you do, where you're from, how long you've been here. And then that was a way for people to start building organic connections um, with other people in the group. So right around the time we rebranded under, uh, I rebranded re or branded under Black in Portugal, I already had a name for my community for the events I was doing, which was the Lisboa Melanin Collective. So the difference between the Lisboa Melanin Collective and Black in Portugal is the Lisboa Melanin Collective focuses on smaller intimate events. I've noticed that the people that live here like to have events where it's people that live here versus people that are just passing through because it's kind of like oh, you've been here? How was your experience? What's the best neighborhood? It's kind of like, it's it's not the right setting for those questions versus, hey girl, I haven't seen you since last September. Where have you been? Oh, you you know, won this and that. And, you know, it's more personal. Um, Black in Portugal, we focus on building connections and help bridging the gap between local Black expats, I mean, Black expats in the local community. Okay. So our events are mainly... Uh, we have locals, but a lot of people are passing through. They're visiting or they're scouting. Um, so we do host events like that. And then we're also focusing on bridging the gap between the local community. Um, I was just at an event yesterday morning with local Black businesses here in um, in Portugal. And I was told, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of this because you have to give an introduction. Everything was in Portuguese, but um, my friend was translating for me how we're seen, how we see ourselves or how we feel we're seen is like, oh, Americans come with money. You know, we're always going to have the upper hand, but we identify as black, you know, we're black Americans, we're black, you know, African-Americans. But what I was told as, even though we're black, we're all grouped in the same thing as Americans, you know, from a local viewpoint, which was very interesting to me because I never... I never thought of it that way, but I know that, you know, my realtor who I see often, it's like, oh, the Americans, the Americans. I'm just like, we'll see ourselves can you not refer to us? Yeah, we're like, as the Americans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So overall, you know, having that little bit of understanding, like, okay, now I can understand 
you know, really being able to understand the local culture, being educated on all the former colonies, you know, the, from the African diaspora that's here is very important to us. Yeah. Um. So in a nutshell, what do I want out of both of the communities? Um, the Lisbon Millennium Collective, more personable, um, close relationships with your friends, like girlfriends, even the ones you don't see too often. And the Black in Portugal, it's us providing resources, um, community, just any type of support for those wanting to relocate that are living here or visiting here, while also embracing the local culture. So kind of the same thing, building communities for both, but on two different levels. Yeah, I see that the outcomes are slightly different um, for each one, mm-hmm. but the underlying, the through line for each is community building, which is extremely yes. important. That's one of the one of the key factors that I talk about in, in this work and, you know, here in Beijing as well is being able to, to be connected. Um, it's difficult mm-hmm. to be a single Black woman living in Beijing um and without connections that takes a toll on your mental health and but to be able to be connected to a source um whether you see them every day a few times a week you know once a month Mm. or whatever it really helps to solidify like this was a good decision right because it's difficult enough leaving the U.S. or wherever a person's home country is and contending with everyone's thoughts and and um opinions and learning local laws and just how do you get you know situated in a new country yes. it's difficult enough to do all those transition things um and I what I like about the work that you're doing is that people can become a bit more integrated prior to moving right mm-hmm. there's information to learn so it's not like you're starting with a blank slate um and nothing to go off of you can make connections before you know making that leap which is something that I intend to do when I do make my little (laughs) voyage to Portugal so y'all be on the lookout (laughs) (laughs) um just a few more questions I always lean heavily into the concept of mental health not just because I'm a clinician but um you know piggybacking off what you said earlier you know making this making these moves choosing these things for yourself you recognize and you notice the shift in your functioning improvement in your mental health and Mm -hmm. I'm wondering you know when you think about how you've been able to lean into wellness you know and vulnerability and rest what does that look like for you um, on your expat journey oh man rest is definitely one of the things that I feel is very important. Um, it's not always just sleeping either. It's just, you know, doing nothing some days, you know, picking up a book or just reflecting, you know, I did, I actually have two journals here. One I've, I've had since 2006, I think I was 16 in 2006. I'm still writing in that thing. I'm and, like, um, because girl, I'm gonna go through a journal, like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's... <laughs> You know, and then I also have when I started here too. And um, I think it's good to be able to reflect back. I think it's good that if you are going to write, at least from, from my mental health, you know, look back and see like things that you were going through and how you overcome those things and know that, you know, everything that's thrown your way 
you know, there are some things that you can, you know, overcome yourself. And there's sometimes you might need a little extra help with that, but just realizing and say, you know what, I'm not in this alone, you know, whether, you know, I have friends or I have to seek professional care or I have to talk to my dog that don't talk back and just wants me to feed him. Then, you know, there's so many different types. And I think um, moving forward, I think I have a pretty good grasp on how I'm managing my mental health. And like I said, I do mention like I'm not, you know, a hundred percent not depressed or anything, but there are pockets like seasonal depression. And um I do suffer from PTSD and like some things can be triggering um from that aspect. But I know that I'm not in this alone. You're you're never meant to battle life alone at all. And I'm so thankful for the community, you know, and I can just pick up the phone and, you know, even people, you know, I, I met online that I'm now, you know, good friends with, I could pick up the phone and they're going to listen to me. And sometimes all you need is just someone to listen, not even to respond back or give their two cents. And I think that's just really, really important, but moving forward, I just know that I'm claiming the peace, the peace of mind, the soft life, the, you know, not having to feel you know, I'm not good enough for something, you know, there's a lot of times that, you know, I do have anxiety for like the event I went to yesterday. I think I've been to several Portuguese speaking events and I'm the only one that does not speak Portuguese. So imagine going into a room, having high social anxiety because everyone's speaking a foreign language that you do not speak and saying, you know what, Heather, you can get through this. All you have to do is say hi after they speak English. If not, there's Google Translate or I can go to the next person. And I think being able to overcome those challenges really helped build my self-confidence, uh, help build my mental health because sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to go because I don't speak the language and they're not going to understand me. We can't understand each other, you know, but I did it. And look at the outcome. I learned a lot of things that were happening in the local community with small businesses, black businesses that I was not aware of. So there's always a catch 22 sometimes in life. And I choose to always, oh, I choose to always focus on the positives, you know, and in bad situations, but this could be something else. You know, you never know what outcome it could come and it most likely will be positive and you're just in your head. Yeah, I I appreciate you sharing that. And what you just stated lastly is we the anticipated fear that we have is always more intense than the actual situation uh provides. And it's really interesting yeah. to again notice like what are the things that are coming up for you and where is that stemming from? Like what's the need that you're wanting to be fulfilled in this moment? Um mm-hmm. and really challenging yourself to do the thing afraid. Um, so to, to openly admit that you're dealing with, I mean, I deal with some social anxiety as well, and Mm -hmm. it is an, it is an exercise in self-belief to be able to do the thing while there's still that fear coursing through you, but it can't be, the fear can't be greater than the possibility of dot, dot, dot. Right. Yeah. And I think that's even relevant to the decision that, you know, we've made to move abroad, 
of course there's yeah. you're an american moving to wherever Lots you go in the world but that fear mm-hmm. is greater than the possibility of dot 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 yeah. right um Mm-hmm. So I don't have to know you long to tell you that I'm proud of the decisions that you've made. And, and I hope oh, that you're you. proud of the things that you've done. And just like the example that you sent for your daughter, um, helping her, what, what I can see is helping her to recognize that she has freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that she's not tethered to anybody's reality, but her own. And she has the ability to create that for herself and that she's going to have all the support to make that come to fruition. So I I commend you and I commend her for going to a school that's spoken in Portuguese, child, because I know I couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> yes, the struggle. I can't even imagine. Oh goodness. Yeah, but she she's gonna be so much better for it. And as as a as a as a clinician that works with adolescents, I love working with adolescents. Um I can imagine that it's difficult being a young black American uh, girl in a, in a foreign country going to a different school. So I'm just really glad that there are other black people of the diaspora, um, where she is and just really helping her to come into her own, um, and being confident in that. Mm -hmm. Um, it can be, it can be an interesting place as, as a, as a black American young woman in an international school. Um, and we often have to learn how to find our voice, but the biggest part comes from finding the support. So it sounds like yes. you all have the support. So I'm really happy to hear that. Um, I have just one or two more questions. One of one of the questions that okay. I love to ask the most is, what are you most proud of? Honestly, I am proud of a lot of things. You know, as a domestic violence survivor, dealing with autoimmune issues, being a single mom. I am proud to say that I have overcome things that, you know, I've seen other people set them back, you know, or people are just not content with their situation, but they are just, I feel like kind of stuck or just say, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? And being able to overcome anything you know, that I see as bad or negative in my life is what I'm really proud of. You know, I, I really, you know, I didn't know how my life would be, you know, as a child, you're like, oh, I want to be a baker. I want to be a dancer. You know, you have these, you know, these ideas as children, you don't know as an adult, what's going to be thrown your way or what situation is going to be thrown your way. So I'm just proud that anything that I have encountered, I, that has been bad in my eyes, I have been able to overcome and move forward. And without all these lessons and situations that have previously happened to me, I would not be where I'm at today. I would not be the mother, the friend, the woman I am today. So learning from everything from the time I was 17 up until now I'm 36, you know, has prepared me for this life that I'm walking in right now. So I would say that I'm the proudest of everything. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I know from from one from one survivor to another, um, mm. it is a very challenging place to be in. It is yes. with shame and fear and shame that we don't own, um, and mm. fear and wondering. But when you finally make that decision to like choose yourself, that can look very different yes. in body situation. Um mm. 
I'm I'm just happy for you, right? I'm happy for you mm -hmm. and your daughter that you made that very bold move because I know how difficult it is. Um, mm -hmm. If you were to talk to someone now, because unbeknownst to me, people watch the show. I wish they would leave more comments and things, of course. <laughs> if you, you okay. were talking to another, I would say just young Black woman. I mean, we're young. I'm 41. You're 36. We're still very young. Um, yes. <laughs> That is wondering, you know, what do I do in this situation? Do I do I leave? Do I stay? Do I travel the world? Um, do I listen to my family that doesn't understand? What, what what would you say to encourage her? Oh man, for number one, do not listen to your family or friends that are telling you not to do these things. My family was against me joining the military. They were against me traveling the world because I was sick. They were against me moving to Mexico because it's so dangerous. Which by the way, my mom came to visit me for two weeks and now she moved to Mexico where Listen. I was living. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's been living there for over a year now. Oh my um, goodness. Okay, mom. Yes, 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 yes. So, oh man, a younger, I would say honestly, write out what you want your life to look like. And then from that, write out the ways that could be possible for you to achieve that life. And most importantly, um, surround yourself with like-minded people, people that want to travel, whether, you're, whether you have to find them in Facebook groups or via Instagram or anything like that. I think when you have people that are like, yes, I want to travel the world. I want to move. I want to give out, get out of a certain situation. And this is how I'm going to do it. It really does inspire you different ways um, versus other people. You know, I was in uh, a lot of support groups on Facebook for autoimmune illnesses. And I, very toxic, very depressing. Everyone's why me, why me, why me? And I had to get out of those groups because my mental health was like down, like six feet under. Um, so being around positive people, Definitely. Um, as far as uh, domestic violence, like that situation is a little bit different because um, every situation is different. Um, have a plan, you know, have a plan. I know sometimes it's not easy to Google search, th search things, control on the computer or make phone calls, but, you know, you have a brain, you use it, you know, say if I have to wait, you know, for me, I waited till my, my husband at the time left to go to school. And the night before I knew I was leaving, packed up all my daughter's stuff. I left with a bag, mm. one bag. And I remember leaving and his, one of his friends saw me and I was so scared. And finally he found out I left and was trying to track us down the freeway. Uh, but I knew I wanted more for my daughter. I knew staying in an abusive marriage would affect my daughter mentally, uh, emotionally, physically, all the different types of abuse. And I knew that I did not want that for her. And I knew as a mother, I wanted my daughter to look up to me and be in a loving home, a loving environment and being able to have the freedom to do or say things, you know, as a young girl. And I didn't want her seeing, you know, when she decides to date people, that's not the type of behavior I want her to remember, you know, at all. So definitely have a plan. Um, there are resources out there. Um, you could, if you're able to go to a books, uh, not a bookstore, a library, if they even still exist these days. <laughs> um, 
go there. There's always help somewhere that you least expect it. I agree with that. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, my last question is going to be, what does Heather's continued healing journey look like? Oh man, continued healing journey. Um, I want to do more or read more self-help books. I, I've read a ton of Iyanla Vansett growing up because my mom had like 35 of her books in the house. <laughs> uh, but I actually just Funny. picked up a book when I was in London called uh, A Year of Kindness. Mm. And I have yet to open it because I've just been really busy. I'm in film school too. I have like some of my film equipment right here. Um, a Year of Kindness. And I really am excited to dive into that book just to see, you know, what it's talking about. I flipped through the pages. I was like, oh, okay, this is something I'll be interested in. And just living a softer, kinder life. Um, I want to still grow as a person, as a mother, a friend, um, a business. You know, I really want to educate myself and do better from, you know, previous mistakes or mishandlings from the past. And honestly, just keep living a peaceful life and a quality life that, you know, I know I deserve. And going into the rest of the year, which I believe will go by really fast this year and onwards, you know, that's, that's the life I'm claiming. That's the life I deserve. Peaceful, happiness, successful, you know, health, everything. I'm claiming all of that because I know I deserve that life. Uh, thank you so much. I wrote that down, claiming the peace. Ooh. Yes, to, because sometimes... It's it's crazy out here sometimes, especially with the media, oh, social wow. media, and <laughs> I don't watch any news in the States. It's just, even Instagram can be overwhelming some days with, you know, sharing bad things. And I'm just like, okay, time to yeah. get out this app. Yeah. yeah. The biggest thing is really to notice like what's affecting you and how, right? And so ingesting yes. more of the things that are helping you to feel more fulfilled and centered and calm and at peace, claiming the peace. And choosing to walk away from those things that are disruptive to your spirit and counter to the goals that you set for yourself are really important. Um, please tell us how we yes. can follow you, follow your journey, um, stay connected with the business. Yes. So I do have a YouTube channel where you can literally watch my beginning stories up until now. And I, I do share a lot of different uh, personal stories on there. And that's under unconventional itinerary because I live an uncon unconventional life and we were traveling, so there's no itinerary. <laughs> uh, and on Instagram, you can follow me under two different handles. The first handle is Heather's underscore amazing underscore journey. And I literally post about my life on there, just daily interactions. And people really like to see that, what I'm doing in life. And then for business, you can also follow the Black in Portugal Instagram page, which is black.in.portugal uh, under that handle. And the Lisboa Mountain Collective is in my bio section. So you could just click that. But yes, that is the best way to follow me and I hope you guys enjoyed this video <laughs> and hopefully it definitely inspired someone out there that's watching. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, you shared so many gems um, and so many stories of triumph. So I'm really grateful for your vulnerability, for your honesty. Um, and, and just thank you for, you know, sharing uh, your time with us today. And I want to say 
to everyone that's watching, thank you again for tuning in to the Black Expat Experience. I encourage you to keep taking risks. I encourage you to keep impacting your communities. And as always, prioritizing your mental health. Uh, we grow through your support. So please share this in your communities and make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And with that, I am going to say bye. Thank Bye. you. <laughs>